The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Oh yeah, good morning. How are you? All right, good. If you've got Bibles, go ahead and grab those. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 1. Uh, last week, we started this book of Hebrews, and we covered three verses. Uh, and so this week, we're going to finish up the chapter. How does that sound? All right, so if you don't have a Bible or you don't own a Bible, there's one probably in a seat back around you somewhere. You can grab that one. Uh, if you don't own it, you can actually take that one home uh, with you. As I'm looking through uh, the book of Hebrews, I get really excited about what I'm seeing, and, and it actually reminds me of, of getting a right image of God, a right image of who Jesus is. And I remember back uh, when Stephanie uh, was pregnant with our firstborn, Dominic. Uh, Dominic is 14, going on 15. Many of you know him. All right, and so, so I remember when uh, Stephanie revealed to me that we were about to have a baby, and we were, got really geeked up about that, and we went uh, to the doctor's office, and the doctor comes in, and we're, we're like, oh, yeah, okay, it's time. And so what happens is, is uh, the, first, the first visit, they, they test and make sure that you really are pregnant the way you think you are pregnant, and then we find out we are, and then the next visit, they come in, and they, they, they ask you if you want to hear the heartbeat, right? And so they, they pull up her shirt a little bit, and they put this, this jelly goo on it. You know what I'm talking about? Whatever that is, that creamy stuff, right? It's kind of clear. And then they take the magic wand and they rub it around the belly and right. And then you, then you hear the heartbeat, right? And they're like, listen, here's the heartbeat. And it sounds like windshield wipers, right? I'm like, that's the heartbeat. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. And so I'm like, oh, wow, that is amazing. That's awesome. And then they're like, okay, let's take a look. And they turn on this little screen. You know what I'm talking about? They take this little screen and they, they turn it before you and they take the little magic wand and they're rubbing it around, right? And I'm like, oh, well, I'm, I'm staring at this screen. I mean, I am in awe of this, this screen. It's a little fuzzy video. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that is amazing. And I'm like, what is it? Right? I'm just looking at, I mean, it kind of looks like there's this tropical storm coming in from the north. I'm not real sure what I'm looking at. I'm like, what is it? And they're like, that's the baby. Oh, it looks like a peanut. Right? And so I'm like a little confused about what I'm looking at, what's going on here. But I, I'm like, okay, okay, that's the baby. And so I start to stare at the screen. I think it's unbelievable. And it isn't, an, isn't it unbelievable how the baby grows? Right? And so I'm there, I'm looking at this thing, and then, and then we leave, and I'm really excited. I'm like, oh, we're going to have a baby. It looks like a peanut. It's so cute. Right? And I, I just remember, not the next visit, but maybe the visit after that, something like that, uh, we actually get to uh, go in and get another look at the baby. Right? And so this time, you actually get to uh, hear what the sex is, if it's a boy or a girl. And, and so we, we go in, and, and they do the little gel thing, and they rub the little wand on, and they're like, okay, you want to see? And they turn the screen toward me, and I'm staring at all again. I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. I'm like, you're going to have to help me out, Doc, because I'm not sure what I'm looking at there, right? And they're like, oh, oh, look, okay, so this is the baby, and this is the baby's head. I'm like, oh, wow, look at, baby, it looks just like you. It's got this giant head. We joke all the time that she's got the big head and the relationship. I got this little pea head. She's like, no, it's still a peanut like yours. And then, uh, and so we look and she's like, there's the hands and there's the feet. And there's, 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 there's the, the image of how you know it's a boy. 
I'm having a boy, right? Oh, man, I'm having a boy. I'm so excited. And then, and then uh, I don't know if she would tell you this, but every night I would, I, would, I would come in and I would start to talk to the baby. Dads, you ever do that? Talk to the baby through the belly button like it's a microphone, <laughs> like it's an intercom, right? I'd be like, hey, buddy, it's daddy, right? I know you're in there. Hey, I can't wait to see you. I would always say, I can't wait to see you. I love you so much. It's not time yet. I mean, you've got you to stay in there because the Lord is going to cook you a little bit longer in there. And so stay in there, but I can't wait to see you. I love you so much. And I would pray over the baby and I'd talk to the baby and I would say, oh, baby, I can't wait to see you. And so as I'm thinking through the book of Hebrews, you know what I'm thinking is that it's like, it's like we we want to see Jesus, but it's like we don't see him clearly yet. You know what I mean by that? And it's like, I start to think about how scripture a lot of the times is like an ultrasound. I mean, we don't put gel on it or anything, but, but we, we actually get to see a glimpse of who Jesus is through the scripture. I mean, it's not super clear, but, but we do see images. And so it's like, it's like we don't see him face to face yet. Although the Bible is clear that there's going to come a day where our faith will be sight. Amen to that? Like we will stand before him face to face. We will see Christ in his fullness and in his glory. But now God gives us the scripture so that we can get a glimpse of who he is. And when we read the word, I pray that when you read the word, you would just simply say, wow, like, that's amazing. Don't you see? Don't you see how, how Christ is? Don't you see the goodness of God there? Don't you see how loving he is? Don't you see how powerful he is? Don't you see how glorious God is? And so when we just stare at the word and just say, wow, God, you are amazing. I cannot wait to see you. We get a glimpse of who he is. And so this morning in the book of Hebrews, we get to see an image of who Christ is in the text. And hopefully if we look long enough, it will leave us in awe. Hopefully you'll walk out of here like I did on that day, walking out saying, that is amazing. Like, that's amazing. I cannot believe it. And so, listen, if we look long enough and maybe I can come alongside of you and start to point some things out to you, like, hey, this is the head, right? And this is how it forms. And you begin to see Christ rightly. I mean, you really get to begin to see who he is because listen, that's important for us, is it not? Because if we're going to be the church that God ultimately calls us to be, we need to see Christ in the right sight. We need to ask God to give us eyes to see him rightly because when we see him rightly, it changes everything about our worlds. It changes everything. What we think of when we think about God is probably the most important thing that we can know or see because when we see him rightly, it changes and it affects everything. Listen, especially our worship. And that's what we were created for is to worship. And so this book of Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians. Listen to me who have missed it. They've missed seeing Christ rightly. And like many of us, they just simply do church. They just simply do religion, and they kind of miss the awe factor of Christ. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where I don't come hungry. 
and I don't come thirsty because I've done church and I just do church and I just do that thing and that's what we do. But where's the awe of Christ? Like what happened to the awe of God? I mean, what happened to the church where we, we failed to actually see Christ for who he is and be in wonder and amazement of who he is? Many people, they just simply come into church bored. We come in and we sing some songs, right? And never really see God for who he is and never find ourselves in awe of God. We just simply do this church thing. And for many people, they're like, oh, yeah, I've gone to church. Yeah, yeah, for me, you know, it just didn't click. Oh, yeah, I've done religion, and, and, and it kind of feels hollow. I mean, it kind of feels empty. It kind of feels shallow. It kind of feels, you know, ritualistic. And I mean, I'm not really down with the whole church thing because, you know, I, in a sense, it's just kind of boring. And so here's the deal. In the book of Hebrews, it was written to help us realign our vision. Are you with me on that? It's to help us realign our sight that God would give us eyes to see who Christ is and we would begin to see him worthy of our worship. Listen, when you see Christ rightly, you will see that Jesus deserves our deepest worship. That's what I want to show you today. So let's go Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. I know I covered these three verses last week. You can go back online and get it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I just, I just want to tell you these three verses because it kind of flows together in verse four, all right? That's where we're going. It says, long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God speaks by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. God appoints his son as the heir of all things. Listen to this. Through whom? Through his son also, he created the world. Verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God. The son is the exact imprint of his nature, the exact imprint of the nature of God. And he, the son, upholds the universe by the word of his power. Listen to this. After making purification for sins, he, the son, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, opening in these three verses, we see the threefold ministry of Jesus. Now, this is seminary for you all in a nutshell. Jesus is prophet, Jesus is priest, and Jesus is king. That's what we see. Jesus is prophet. The prophet is basically someone who speaks on behalf of God, speaks to the people for God. That's what a prophet does. And so Jesus come and he speaks to us through sending his son. He's the prophet. Jesus is the priest. Jesus is the greater priest because the priest would make atonement for sins in the Old Testament. So you and I, if we feel guilty, we feel shame, we've fallen short, we would bring our animal as a sacrifice into the temple, give it to the priest. The priest would slit that animal, put the blood over the altar, and say, you're forgiven. That's what the priest does is make atonement. Jesus is the greater priest because he offered himself up as the sacrifice. You with me on that? Jesus offers himself up as the sacrifice, the lamb of God, and takes away once and for all the sins of the world. And so Jesus dies on the cross in your place, in my place, by himself becoming the great priest and the great sacrifice. 
Jesus is not only the greatest prophet, Jesus is not only the greatest priest, but it says that he's the greatest king. And so we see that ministry because it says that after he made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand, which is the majesty on high. So we see Jesus is the greatest prophet, Jesus is the greatest priest, and Jesus is the greatest king. The king who had conquered sin, hell, and death, and the grave, and he ascends from that, he, he raises from the grave, ascends to the heavenly father, and now he sits where he rules and reigns forever. All that's in three verses. You with me on that? But then it doesn't stop. It flows right into verse four. Watch this. Verse three again. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of God's nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels. Everyone say, Jesus is better. This says that he's more superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Now, if you're here today and you're like the Jewish Christians and you just kind of find yourself slipping away from the faith. Maybe you find yourself getting bored with church. Maybe you're here and you just do this thing out of duty or tradition, or you're just living a ritualistic lifestyle over a true, genuine relationship with God. The text is speaking to you today. The text is saying, listen, Jesus is better a relationship with God is better than tradition. A relationship with God is better than you just simply doing your rituals. He says, don't settle for religion over a relationship. That's what it's saying. And some of you are like, uh, Eric, I'm reading the same text as you. And basically it says that Jesus is better than angels. How are you getting this relationship over religion type of deal? How are you getting that? Well, I think we miss it because we miss angels in our culture. We don't talk about angels much. Anyone had a conversation about angels this week? No? Angels have kind of become a commercial product rather than a living reality. You with me on that? It's kind of become... Um, a sales tactic, if you will, talking about angels. Listen, in our culture, John Travolta, Denzel Washington, Nicolas Cage, City of Angels, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, they've all played angels. They are angels in movies. Some of you grew up with angels in the outfield. Anybody? <laughs> right? Some of you have been touched by an angel. Seen that? Okay. And we all know about the famous Charlie's angels that aren't even angels at all. Okay, and so when we talk about angels, we don't really think about them rightly. We think of some sort of short and stubby winged baby with a diaper on, right? Shooting arrows, helping people fall in love. That's what we think of when we think of angels, is it not? But in the Old Testament, angels played a huge, huge role in Jewish thought. 
angels played a huge role when it came to tradition and life. And this text saying that Jesus is greater than any angel is, is a big deal to these listeners. Because Jewish tradition understood that angels brought the law to Moses. And if you're a Jew, there's nothing greater than the law. The commandments of God. I mean, God speaks to us as Jews, particularly right here on this mountain, and angels brought the law. So the commandments were the center of their religion. The commandments were the center of their culture. The commandments really were the center of their life. Acts 7.53, it says that the law was ordained by angels. Hebrews 2.2, we're going to get to it next week. It says that the law was declared through angels. And so what's happening here is that these people, they were turning back to the law. They were turning back to religion for the way of salvation. And the author of Hebrews knows it, and he says, listen, no, there's one who's superior to angels. There's one who's greater than angels. There's one who is better. And he says, let me tell you why He's better than angels. The text says, because he has a name that is more superior. He has a name that is greater. So the question that you and I should be asking ourselves is the question, what is the name that is greater than that of the angels? Well, let's look at it. Verse 5. It says, he's become much more superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Verse 5, for which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Everyone say son. Now that's a capital S son. You are my only begotten son. Today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. The name that is above all names, the name that is inherited, that is greater than any name of the angels, listen to me, is the son of God. That's the name. That's the name that he has been given. Son of God. Jesus has inherited the greatest name, which is the Son of God, which means he has sonship with the Father, and it means that he is the only begotten Son of God. John 3, 16. How many of you know it? It says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, capital S, Son, so that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus is the son of God. Now, the book of Job, it does refer to angels as sons of God, but there was never one individually where God looked at and said, you are my son. Jesus gets that name. You are the son of God. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This is the first thing. Jesus is better and worthy of worship because he has the greatest name. Jesus is better and worthy of worship because he has the greatest name. And what's the greatest name? Son of God. That's the name that he has inherited that is better than everything. So he's better. He's telling you, listen, Jesus is better than religion because he has the greatest name, because he is the son of God. His name and his position and his status and his glory is above every name. 
and all other names will bow down to his name. All other tongues will confess his name. All other knees will kneel before his name. He has the greatest name, which is the Son of God. Jesus is better, and Jesus is worthy of all of our worship because he's the Son of God. Now let's keep going because it doesn't stop there. And again, this is verse 6. When he brings the firstborn into the world, that's when Christ came, he said, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels' winds and his ministers a flame of fire. So if you're taking notes, write this one down. Jesus is better and Jesus is worthy of worship because he has the greatest name, but not only that, because he has the greatest authority. The Bible just said that every angel worships Jesus. Everything comes from Jesus. Everything goes through Jesus. Everything comes to worship Jesus. And all of the angels now and forever will worship Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Remember, if you read the gospels, when Jesus was born, the heavens open up and they say, glory, glory. Angels. Didn't it say a multitude of angels are worshiping Jesus at his birth? The Bible says that right now, as Jesus is in heaven, sitting at the right hand of God, all of the angels are bowing down, worshiping Jesus. They're flying over and they're singing, they're praising, they're rejoicing, and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Right now, angels are worshiping Jesus. And so from eternity's past to eternity's future, all angels declare that the Son of God is worthy of all the praise. Amen. And so, so we need to realize that Jesus is better. And Jesus is worthy of our worship because he has the greatest name, which is Son of God. And he has the greatest authority. Everything and everyone worships Jesus. Jesus has the greatest authority. Now, Verse 8 is going to be huge. If you've got a pencil or something, just, oh, just circle verse 8. I mean, this is incredible. Because we have to remember in verse 8, God is speaking about the Son. And so if you want a clear picture, a right picture of who Christ is, listen to this. Verse 8. But of the Son... He says, that's a weird statement, isn't it? Of the Son, capital S, he says. Who's the he? God. So he, he, God, is speaking about the Son. Of the Son, God says this. Listen to what he says about his Son. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Now what you have right there is you have God the Father calling the Son God. He says, your throne, oh God, oh son, I'm talking about my son. Your throne, son, oh God, is forever and ever. The scepter of rightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. If you're taking notes, write this down. 
Jesus is better and Jesus is worthy of our worship because his kingdom extends forever and ever. Forever and ever. So Jesus has the greatest name, Son of God. Jesus has the greatest authority. And, and to, to confirm that Jesus has the greatest authority, it says his kingdom will never end. His rule, his throne, his kingdom will last for eternity. Now, he's not done. Look in verse 10. There's more here. And you, Lord laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish. That means the earth and the heavens will perish. Your, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment, like a robe you will roll them up. Like a garment they will be changed. But you, oh you son, are the same and your years will never end. He's saying there's coming a day where the heavens and the earth will collide. In Revelation 21, 22, it says, I'm making a new heaven and a new earth. I'm going to make all things new. And in this new heaven and new earth, there's not going to be two separate places, but God is going to dwell with his creation and God is going to dwell with his people. And there's going to be harmony and peace and there's no more sickness and no more death and no more tears and all sin will be wiped away. And listen, he says, that is coming. The earth and the heaven, they will be one. They're going to go away and they're going to change. Listen, it's going to change for you, but Christ never changes. You with me on that? And so the Bible is going to say that Jesus is better and worthy of our worship, not only because his kingdom extends forever, but rather he is the founder and the creator of all the universe. Jesus is better and worthy of worship because he's the creator of the universe. The text just said that he made the foundations of the world. And let me tell you what that means. Everything you see is from Jesus. If you've ever seen the sunrise, that's the beauty of Jesus. You ever seen the sunset? That's the beauty of Jesus. That's the work of Jesus. If you ever climbed a mountain or see the peaks of Colorado, Canada, Puebla, whatever, that is the work of Jesus. Have you ever seen the ocean crash over itself? Those giant waves, that is the work. Of, listen to me. If you've ever seen a baby inside a mama's belly, that is the work of Jesus. Jesus is better and he deserves our greatest, deepest worship because he is the founder and the creator of all things. He has the greatest name. He has the greatest authority. His kingdom never ends and he's the creator of the universe. Now it's going to end big here. Look in verse 13. And to which of the angels has God ever said, sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? You want to know the answer to that? None of them. He never said it. But to the son, he says, sit at my right hand. Look at what it says. Which of the angels did he ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they the angels, not all ministering spirits that are sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation. He says, he says, aren't the angels the servants of the one who sits on the throne? 
The angels aren't sitting on the throne. Jesus is sitting on it. He says there's one throne and there's one person on it and that's Jesus. That's good news for you. And here's the deal is right now, Jesus is sending angels as ministering spirits to who? The text says the church, those who will inherit salvation. How do we inherit salvation? Through faith in Jesus Christ. Those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ will inherit an eternal salvation with God forever. He died in our place. He rose to give us life so that anyone who would believe and call upon his name will be saved. And right now, the church, those who have put their faith in Jesus, Jesus sends angels to minister to the church. Let me tell you what that means. So as a believer in Christ, I have a new heart. I have, I'm a new creation. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me, guiding my thoughts, guiding my hearts, guiding me into righteousness, convicting me of sin, showing me Jesus, giving me eyes to see and ears to hear his word. The Holy Spirit is at work inside of me, yet angels are ministering around me. That's good news. Jesus is better because he sits on the throne and angels don't. Angels submit to Christ. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus is better and worthy of our worship because Jesus has the greatest position. He has the greatest name. He has the greatest authority. His kingdom does not end. He is the creator of everything and he sits at the right hand of God. Which means Jesus sitting tells us the work is complete. I talked to you about this last week. The idea for the Jew, the idea for the Hebrew, someone sitting down is a work being complete. And it says that he's sitting at the right hand of God, showing us that he has made perfection for sin. He has purified sin once and for all time. And he right now is sitting down to show us that the sacrifice is complete. The wrath of God towards sin and sinners is been dealt with. Jesus has made purification for sins. Him sitting down means that Jesus has conquered death in the grave once and for all for you and I. Jesus sitting down means his father is satisfied, which means God's not angry with you which means God is not, not angry with those who have put their faith in Jesus because Jesus absorbed all of the wrath towards us. Jesus is better and worthy of worship because Jesus has perfected for all time sins and they are forgiven through Jesus. And Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, which means he has the greatest position ever. Jesus is the king who's sitting on the throne. His angels are the servants. There's one king, one throne, and Jesus is on it. Christ is over the church, and angels are sent to minister to the church. Jesus is better, and he deserves our fullest worship. Now, here's our application. As the band comes, I just want you to simply think about Jesus. This text this morning it gives us a glimpse of who Jesus is, like an ultrasound. Are you with me? Like we get to start to see pictures of Jesus. We don't see him face to face yet, right? But we see the manifestation of his word and the image of Christ in the Bible. And when we see this text, we can start to see Jesus in the most glorious way. 
And as I read this text, as you and I read this text, you know what we learn? It's all about Jesus. It's not about you. It's not about me. You read this text, and honestly, we're not even mentioned once in all of chapter 1. We're not even mentioned once. Mankind is not talked about in any capacity. It's all about Jesus. Now, follow me. Because I think the reason why so many just simply get bored with church or get fed up with religion or get burnt out on the do's and the don'ts is because so many have tried to make it about them. So many walk in here, man, I want it to be about me. But let me be honest, this text has nothing to do with you. And really the Bible as a whole, it's not about you either. I mean, you're in it, but your part is not pretty. Are you with me? This is about Jesus. And I think, follow me, that maybe the reason why the church has lost its sense of awe when it comes to God is because honestly, many don't see Jesus for who he is. For who he is. And so many times we find ourselves feeling like worship is just hollow. They're just songs or this whole thing becomes empty or stale. And I think maybe the reason is because instead of worshiping Jesus for who he is, deep down, we want it to be about me. We want songs that are about me. We want sermons that are about me. We want church to be about me. We want this whole thing to be about me. If we could just sing songs that fit my personality, if we could just hear messages that actually, you know, do something for me, we want song, we want this whole thing to be about me. But when it's just about him, when you talk about Jesus, so many people are like, ah, uh, you just kind of get bored. When we talk about Jesus, people are just unimpressed and not inspired. But maybe, maybe this morning, God would give us eyes to see. Maybe we would look at this and say, wow, his name, his name is greater than any name. His authority is so much higher than anything we've ever seen. His beauty in all of creation is so magnificent. His throne, it rules forever and ever, and everything and everyone is worshiping Jesus. Why wouldn't I do the same? Why wouldn't I fall to my face? Why wouldn't I raise to my feet? Why wouldn't I worship Jesus? Maybe today, 
the Holy Spirit would allow you to see into his word for who Jesus is. The supremacy of Jesus, the glory of Jesus, the majesty of Jesus. And let me tell you something, Jesus is enough. Is he not enough? Is he not worthy of praise? Is he not worthy to be sung to? Is he not in in himself worthy to be talked about? Is he not worthy enough to share? Is he not worthy enough to celebrate? Because I tell you, according to this text, he is. And so if you've walked in here this morning, let me just tell you your two options. You can continue to live your life in a delusional world of self, thinking that worship is about you, that church is about you, that, 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 that the gospel is about you, and, and, and everything that you decide or everything that you do or everything that you walk in ultimately ends and begins with you. You can think and live that way, or we can listen to the words of God here. And we could align ourselves with the truth of Jesus and repent of self and realize that Jesus is better. That Jesus is enough. And so today we're going to spend the rest of our morning together just worshiping, just praising. We're going to have a time where you and I get to respond fully to this son. You and I have an opportunity to ask God to give us hearts to feel and eyes to see and ears to hear that he is greater. And I pray that through your experience this morning, as we begin to step into worship fully, that you would feel the sense that Jesus is enough, that Jesus is worthy. So today we just want to worship and that Jesus is enough to engage my soul. And Jesus is glory enough to be sung to. Jesus is worthy enough to be praised. Why? Because Jesus is better. He truly is better. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, right now, we still the chaos of our lives. We pause for a moment and ask you, Holy Spirit, to give us a glimpse of your Son. Help us see And know and understand that you are so glorious. That Jesus, you are so good. We don't want to sing empty lyrics. But we want to praise the Lord of Lords. The one who is worthy, the name that is greater Oh, God, make us a church. Make us a church. 
that sees you rightly. May we not speak to you flippantly or sing to you half-heartedly or, or walk with you absently, but God, show us your glory. Jesus, this morning, we come humbly before you, asking you to be enough to change me. Oh, Lord, you alone, and you all by yourself, are worthy of all praise. And today, as your children, as your sons, as your daughters, let us give that to you. Oh, we love you, oh, great King, Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.